0: Welcome, everyone, to What's brewing here on THPN. I am your host, Chris Nozick, joined by my co-host, as always, the one and only legendary Dominic Tiano. We have finally made it through the home stretch, the home game stretch, if you will, after the All-Star break. Not the stretch that we were hoping for for our Bruins, but uh, we'll dive into all that. Before we get all that going, Dom, how have you been? I'm getting over a nice sinus infection situation so we didn't do a show last week but how have you been my friend
1: Ah, uh, not too bad no complaints uh was a nice 3 day long weekend did nothing but watch hockey as a matter of fact i got 3 games going on around me here so uh yeah just spent the weekend watching hockey
0: Awesome same thing i got a game on over here so you know unfortunately i don't have 3 TVs in this room so uh, we got, oh, got... Austin's is jumping up in here. I think that's Kevin. Kevin, how you
1: doing? Hopefully
0: you're doing well.
1: Kevin's always doing great.
0: <laughs> so a lot has happened since you and I last recorded, sat down, chatted. Um, before we jump into all the games and the roster analysis and all that stuff, the, the first and foremost, let's get the awkward out of the way. The charges against Milan Lucic have been dropped. And the Bruins have issued a statement that he will not be rejoining the team this year. Now, as far as I'm aware, because I've seen a lot of backlash uh, in all different directions, they still cannot terminate his contract because he is still part of the player's assistance program,
1: correct? Correct. He will be on LTIR for the rest of the year.
0: And they cannot remove him from LTIR until he clears the player assistance program. Is that correct?
1: That's correct.
0: Okay. So as far as Lucic is concerned, there's no change through the rest of the year to his contract. We have done the math before. They have to be under a certain number. I want to say it was 83 million four hundred something thousand in order to start to bank cap space. Do you correct. recall?
1: Yeah. It get on the right screen here. <laughs>
0: It was 40 to, or
1: 83 million four hundred and eighteen thousand five hundred and three dollars.
0: There we go. Okay. Now, as we get to the more recent stuff, uh Matthew Poitra gets shoulder surgery. He's been shut down for the season. They mm-hmm. have not moved him to LTIR just yet, as far as I can tell. Okay. Have you heard anything to the contrary?
1: No, he's not moved, but it's irrelevant because the minute they put him on LTIR, it goes retroactive back to the injury date. It, so may, it makes no difference to the cap. doesn't affect it at all.
0: So what's the benefit of not putting him on LTIR right now?
1: Well, they don't need him right now.
0: Okay. There's um, no need. He's Kevin just... jumps in saying that you were very annoyed with the uh, Brazo signing. And what are you thinking now? We are going to get to him, but if you
1: want to give yeah. Kevin
0: a quick answer real quick, feel free.
1: I don't base anything on one game, Kevin. You know that.
0: <laughs> Kevin should know it, that.
1: It's it's the big picture, and I will explain it in great detail.
0: We we will get to that, because in order to make room for Justin Brazo, the team had waived Oscar Steen. We got news earlier today that he cleared waivers. So, no big loss. What's that?
1: No big loss.
0: No, and, and I think it's good because he'll end up down in Providence. He can work on his game. I mean, people want to know why why now. I mean, the guy played 34 games, had one point, was a minus two. That's why. Right. I, I don't think it took a great detective to figure out who the short man in the totem pole was going to be to go on a, ta- on a cap-constrained team.
1: Well, somebody had to go uh, if, if they were going to bring Brazil up.
0: Now, go ahead.
1: You know, you're only allowed a 23 man roster. Brazil made 24, so uh, somebody had to go.
0: Now, my understanding is because it is his first NHL contract through the rest of this season, Brazil does not require waivers. Is that correct? That was I
1: believe he he does not require waivers this year. This this is the whole thing on what I don't understand about this signing. Is I was all for giving Brazil uh, a two-way contract, uh, a thank you for for your service, and wanting to keep them around to help develop the kids at, at a lower level, <laughs> and maybe get a game or two in at the NHL level. Like, I I don't base anything on one game just because I know how many players play on adrenaline in just their first or second game. Uh, okay. Is he the answer to push the Bruins over the top this year? No, he's not. I mean, anybody who thinks he is, is, is foolish. Okay. So what the signing did put the Bruins at 48 contracts. Okay. They, they virtually limited themselves yeah. by tying up a contract spot Uh at what they can do on trade deadline and the all important going after the NCAA free agents like Colin Graf in about three weeks, uh, where it is imperative that you are able to offer these guys the opportunity to burn a year off their entry level contract, uh, to get them to sign. Okay. So they've, Pretty much incapacitated themselves in that aspect, <laughs> um, and by signing Brazo to a contract this year means that he now needs waivers next season. Okay, yep. they've struck. They've structured the contract in a way that will hopefully deter other teams from from picking him up but that's never a guarantee.
0: Right. I mean it happened to work out earlier in the season for the Toronto Maple Leafs when they had that 100k bonus for Martin Jones when they waived him. It worked, but there's no guarantee, especially if he plays well that if they do need to waive him, you know, and going forward that that's going to be that's not going to be an issue. Um my my initial thought was I liked the signing as far as potential. Um, we, we just talked about Oscar Steen and, and I look at his numbers and I sit there and I go, they've given him fa- more than fair opportunity to get it going. I don't understand how you don't accidentally get a second point in 35 games. Like just the, you know, he's got speed. Like he's not a bad player. Oscar Steen. He's not this bad, but at a certain point when you are a quality NHL player, you back into a secondary assist. You you do something that, you know, the puck goes off your skate, the flex, and you get credited with a point. He hmm. couldn't even manage that. So I'm not surprised. I saw that move and I went, honestly, it's about time. And I get it. He only makes 800 grand. It's not an earth shattering move. And then they signed this kid to a, 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 believe league minimum, 775 K contract. So it's not like they're saving, you know, millions on the cap, you know, but what I like about him is one, he's produced at most of the levels he's been at. He's produced in Providence heavily with an offensive game. Now, does that mean he's a perfect player right now? No, I, I really don't believe that, but he's also a six five, two hundred 225 pound body and, that we kind of have needed on that fourth line. And that's kind of how I was looking at it. A fourth line kind of guy who can come in, help set a tone with a big body, lay some hits and has a little bit of a scoring touch. So <sighs> Kevin, I
1: liked him better after you think they put pasta on waivers with how they react yeah. You, <laughs>
0: in some you, cases. Yes.
1: I, I liked it better after they moved Frederick to the middle. Yes, yeah. you know, I, it, it, the the fourth line looked better with Frederick in the middle, uh, with um, with Brazil on the yeah. right side. I I,
0: I uh, like Frederick with Brazil. That combination <laughs> looked pretty good to me. Obviously, JVR, Freddie, and. Um, uh, geeky is, yeah. is a massively performing line. I want to leave that together as much as I can. But at the same time, if I can partner Frederick with Brazo and give Trent Frederick a few extra minutes, that doesn't hurt either, especially if it's five on five minutes that are going to be quality minutes that help kind of keep that identity of your team on the ice. Right. So as, as far as the move itself yeah, the amount of people up in arms about Steen on waivers, it was laughable. Uh, I don't think they really paid much attention to his his stat line or even his play. I mean, his play had kind of plateaued, if you ask me. So it's about time that they did something. I understand where you're coming from when it comes to the, the contract count and some of those other restrictions. I think this only solidifies what you and I have been talking about when it comes to the Bruins approach to the trade deadline. They're not like, they're not looking to do a lot. They're looking to see if they can make the right move and try to maybe get someone in who can help this year and in future years. But if that's not on the table, they're perfectly okay with standing Pat.
1: Yeah, because they don't have a lot of assets to play with. Just one thing, because you did put out on X that there would be cap math uh, going to your to your I point. I said there might be. Going back to your point about waving Steen and and signing Brazil, uh, just the way that the cap works, uh, they're not saving any money. It's actually costing them eight thousand dollars more by making the switch.
0: Okay, so that's that's good. Good. uh, preliminary math we'll call it yeah it's just Uh, preliminary math fourth liners all have a shelf life they are a dime a dozen and you know what this team has a bunch of players who can help and contribute in the bottom six fourth line third line uh you know i i think they like that geeky jvr frederick third line so they don't really want to break it up but they understand to get the best out of some other players they may end up having to um Now let's see. There was another just just to
1: address something Kevin said earlier. Um, Be
0: realistic, Jack. That's all I'm going to say. That's not realistic trading for. (laughs) I
1: I just want to go back to something that Kevin said earlier about uh, the people up in arms about waving steam. I want to address the people that are out there. Saying, how do you think Fabian Lysel feels right
0: now? Uh, you you quit, read my mind. I was just going to go to some of those reactions with
1: the signing of of Brazil, and I guarantee you, it had Fabian Lysel is probably as happy as for for Justin Brazil as Justin Brazil's sister is happy for him. Uh, these players have played on the same line on the same team uh, all season and a year ago. You don't think Lysel has any ill will or ill feelings towards this. He's genuinely happy for the kid.
0: I also want to point this out too. Do you remember earlier in the year when they called up Georgie Merkulov and people, a lot of these same people, they were flipping their absolute shit because – Georgie Merkulov was put on the third and fourth line and they wanted to see him in the top six. If you brought Fabian Lysel up right now and you don't put him in the top six, those are the people who are going to be complaining because they brought up Fabian Lysel and they're using him wrong. Yeah. This is a fourth line role. You do not bring up a top six player to fill a fourth line role. Brazil is the exact guy that you bring up to fill that role because he's 6'5, 220. Does he have a little bit of a scoring touch so far this year in 49 games in Providence? He's got 37 points. I like that, but I'm not I putting him in my top six.
1: I, I have to tell you a quick story about Brazil before I, I forget. Go right. <laughs> so, um, Justin Brazil and Jason Lott reminded me on X today. He used to work work for the front office of the Stratford Colletons, the junior B team in my hometown. So Justin Brazil uh, attended the Stratford Colletons training camp, and he was going to make the team. <laughs> uh, but he also attended the North Bay Battalion training camp in the OHL, and he ended up making the uh, the battalion right out of training camp in in the Ontario Hockey League. But while he was camping here, the, the, the Colletons play, who are now the Stratford Warriors, play in the the William Ullman Arena, which is like a hundred years old. They just celebrated their hundredth birthday. It's a small rink, like small ice surface, think Boston Garden. Benches are really small. And Jason Lott reminded me that when he was at, at exhibition games for, for the Cullitons, his feet were so big and the gap between the bench and the boards was so small, he actually had to turn his feet sideways to sit at the bench.
0: That's great. that That's the kind of big bodied guy we want on our fourth line. Now, Jack has a question. He says that which, real quick, Kevin's point, I don't need Lysel on a fourth line in Boston. That's exactly the point. You bring up the right guy who fits the right role. and, And you and I have had the conversation on air before too. When they're looking for a certain style player, they consult with Mujanel and his coaching staff, and they say, this is what we're looking for. Who do you think we should take? And Mujanel is the guy who says... This is the guy who plays that way. This is the guy who's deserving of it and has shown that he should get the chance.
1: Right. Now
0: the other issue with Fabian Lassell, and I'm going to bring this up before I bring up Jack's question is Fabian Lassell showed earlier this year that he's not ready for the national hockey league. He has some work to do on his own game, both off the, on the ice, off the ice mentally and physically. So He needs to be in Providence to work on that. As Abby says, just let Liesel cook in the AHL. Does he deserve a chance? At some point, maybe. But there's some stuff that they're looking at for him in a mental capacity as far as off the game, how he handles himself, that he needs to show before they're just going to go, yep, bring him right up. And also put him in the position that he deserves to be in. Now, Jack's question why don't you just move Heinen down to the fourth line and put Lisell with Coil and Marshan? Well, why are you punishing Danton Heinen, someone who's done everything and beyond that you've ever asked of him to do, just so you can bring up Fabian Lisell and put yourself in a more difficult cap situation?
1: Yeah, it's you know, we could do a lot of what ifs with with uh with the lineup. But I'll tell you what, there's analytics, which is the sites we go to get analytics. And there are team analytics, which we will never hear about. Oh, yeah. Uh, believe it or not, the Bruins are one of the heaviest teams when it comes to analytics. Uh, and I've heard of some of the stuff that they do. Um And it boggles the mind. The other thing too is the NHL has player tracking uh, on the jer- on the with the chip in the jersey and puck tracking that we don't get access to. The teams do, so they're seeing something that we're not seeing. And uh, you know, I'm not going to question the team when they come when they come up with a lineup.
0: Yeah, and, and Jack's response is because Dan Heinen is not a top-line winger. You think going into the playoffs, having Heinen on your top line is going to be a good thing. Um, right now, Dan Heinen is playing the role that he's playing. He He's not costing you games. He He's a very solid defensive forward who can find the back of the net once in a while and contributes one with, with an assist here and there. He's a middle six forward. That's what he is. And you're getting him at a league bargain right now. Mm -hmm. And uh, do you recall when he was with Pittsburgh, wasn't he a top six forward there? Like a second line winger with them too.
1: Uh, Yeah. Well, middle six, I can't recall if he was second line.
0: Second. He had time.
1: He had time there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, Let's see. And you think Liesel is going to change that. Let's see. Oh, Lysel would uh, get killed going against top lines in the NHL. Um, I mean, we, we saw what happened with with Matt Poitra. I'm not saying that's going to exactly happen with Lysel, but you, you got to give him time. Let's see. Into the Den says, I think the not ready argument is kind of iffy. If you keep someone down in the A for long enough, that isn't exactly a vote of confidence. I think it isn't the worst to scorch him a little. Now's not the time though
1: but that's not the way the Bruins do things
0: right and, and these yeah. pl-
1: these players are taught the taught from the minute they call their name at the at the draft to them coming down to the t- the table and meeting the team they're taught from that moment that we are going to take our time with you it may be two years it may be three years it may be four years but they're all prepared. Um, look at Michael DiPietro. Um, he, here's a guy who everybody thought his career was over uh, after Vancouver mistreated him. We trade uh, Jackson Nika for Michael DiPietro and Jonathan uh, Marenberg, And DiPietro's career has come alive in the Bruins organization over two years. That's the way the Bruins develop their prospects. And, and he's looking real good down in
0: Providence overall. Yeah. In Pietro. So let's see. See what you have in the kid in the NHL. I want to see Lysel up before game 82. And he may very well get a game or two with the big club this year. I'm not against that. It's just right now you have the Florida Panthers nipping at your heels. And I get it. You don't really care that much first or second in the division but I certainly would rather have those games at home, first of all. I'd rather have Game 7 at home any day of the week. So I kind of do want to win the division for that. Second of all, what what miracle pill is Fabian Lysel going to bring to the NHL game? That's what I want to know. It's not like this team is really hurting for scoring. They are – They they have – Every once in a while, they will go into a scoring drought like any team across the league. Mm -hmm. There are 82 games. We have to remember that. You're not going to play your best in all 82 games. But this team is not playing like they need that same shot in the arm in the top six that you would expect bringing up a Fabian Lysel would give you. Right there. Braz is filling a fourth-line role. Lysel isn't doing that in Boston. And Jack says that they just signed a guy who was in the ECHL for some of last year, which that was 21-22 season, not the 22-23 season. And he's been in the American Hockey League for a number of years, Jack, and he's actually produced in the AHL. So to Dom's point from earlier, Fabian Lisell would be happy for him. Let's see, we got, I would much rather have a veteran Heinen on that line in the playoffs over a rookie green as goose shit Lysel. Do we still have you, Dom? Oh, yeah. Okay, just making sure. I didn't know if you were on mute or something here. Uh, what what thoughts on Heinen versus Lysel on the second line right wing? Veteran versus rookie going into the playoffs. I think I, I'm signing with Kevin here. I'd rather have Oh, veteran. I'm
1: i Oh, I'm with Kevin. It's, I don't know. Do we really want to have that debate? Um,
0: <laughs> I like Kevin's point. Who cares about his feelings, Jack? This is a business. He can be a professional and keep working. God damn right. Players know this is a business.
1: Yeah. And like I said, they're taught from the from the minute they hit the draft, draft for with the Bruins organization that this is the way it is and this is the way we're going to bring you along. And uh, you go out there and do what we ask you. You work hard, and you'll get your chance.
0: Now, this other up in arm reactions. The names that people are also mentioning are John Beecher and Georgie Merkulov because they did play Merkulov in that bottom six role earlier this year when they called him up.
1: Okay, I, uh, I, uh, stop right there.
0: I get the okay, feeling we don't you know, stop.
1: Stop. Six. Because we've had this argument every time you bring this up. Georgia Merkulov was brought up to replace Matthew Potra. Okay. He wasn't brought up to play in the bottom six. He was brought up to replace Matthew Potra, who was centering the third line at the time. He had three games there, couldn't cut it, and was moved down to the fourth line for the fourth game. And then he was sent right back to Pro And then he was sent right back down. Right. So l- let's get that straight. He wasn't brought up to be a bottom six. He was brought up to be Patra's re- replacement.
0: In a temporary situation where Patra was off at World Juniors. Right. And, and real quick, Kevin, I, I get that you're laughing at this. This isn't a lecture for me. Dom and I have had this conversation before. I'm bringing up Georgie Mercula because there are a lot of people who are complaining that he hasn't been brought back up. And I think Dom and I are in agreement that in that four game sample, he proved he's not ready.
1: No, he's not. Absolutely not.
0: It's okay that he's not ready. uh, But that also means he's not getting called up again right now. I don't believe they want him in a bottom six role. And so they used him, as you mentioned, as a Poirier replacement to see if he could handle playing in the National Hockey League. He showed he wasn't a hundred percent ready for it. They sent him back down, and they just said, "Keep doing your thing. Keep learning. Learn from the four games. Keep playing your game. And when you're ready, we'll bring you back up. Plain and simple." But they're not going to throw him into a fourth line role either. No. <laughs> let's see, Abby says, if Liesel is upset that Braz got signed uh, and and got the play and Liesel wasn't, what does that show as a teammate? That's part of it. I mean, if you know what your role is and you have communication with the organization, this should not have come to a surprise to Fabian Liesel.
1: It, it should. And Ryan Mouchenel talks to his players I'm sure Fabian Lysel and everybody else in the team knows the reason why it was uh, Justin Brizzo and not them.
0: No, for sure. Uh, into the Den, Cody also says, I think our woes at the dot are evidence enough of the need of Beecher. That was the underrated part of his game that we need now. That suitor goal today doesn't happen if we win the faceoff. First of all, you can pick any... Goal off of a faceoff and go, it doesn't happen if we win the faceoff, because that's how the play starts. So I I get where you're going with it. But no, that's a weak argument. Second of all, Johnny Beecher, at least in my opinion, he's still being a casualty of the cap because he's what, 950K AAV. And right now they just can't afford to bring that back up. And I don't think you're getting a massive difference between what Boquist gives you in the middle and what John Beecher gives you in the middle to the point where you risk losing Boquist on waivers and lose some of your depth down the middle.
1: Beecher will have his time next year.
0: I just, I I look, Jasper Boquist is... Versatile, he can play all three forward positions, and he's inexpensive. And that's someone that I guarantee you he hasn't played bad enough that he would get through waivers. And he's not playing so much worse than John Beecher. There's no point in making that switch right now. When in a few months, when you, when and if you want to call Beecher back up, as long as you have the cap space to do it, it doesn't matter. You can. Right now you've got to worry about other things. And Boquist Beecher at the dot is not you're probably looking at maybe a, a plus or minus of five percentage points. Like
1: yeah. I, I don't you know, see I remember point. a game a few years ago against Los Angeles Kings where <laughs> Patrice Bergeron uh lost a face off in the Boston zone and LA one with 0.3 seconds remaining.
0: I think I remember that.
1: Yeah. faceoff is a 50, 50 thing. A lot of things have to go right for a face off, um, including the bounce of the puck on the ice.
0: Oh, absolutely. And, and there's other reasons why the game went to overtime today. It, it wasn't just the suitor goal um let's see kevin also said back when we had bergeron and crazy, we lost a face off against the kings with three seconds left it's exactly the same thing wish we had beecher then uh let's see abby says the third goal wouldn't have happened if forbert was all the way in the ozone
1: um uh, what- it wouldn't have happened if a forward came back and did his job and covered for him either like no goal happens in the nhl without a mistake somewhere Right. If if everybody was perfect, we'd have zero zero games all the time. We right. can blame for Forbert, but the Bruin system is that a forward has to come back to to cover him. The system doesn't say the defenseman can't go unless there's a forward there. The system the system says if the D-man goes, the forward has to come. Now, the Otis is not on Forbert. The Otis is on the three forwards on the ice.
0: To recognize that a defenseman is pinching up and that there's going to be an opening and they need to get over there. Right. Now, Abby generalizes it a little bit more now and says that Forbert is a liability. How much do you agree with that statement? Because we've seen the Bruins coaching staff come out and say that he's a part of what we do he's a part of our defense, he's solid, they defend him, and yet 90% of this fan base is ready to drive him to Logan Airport or kick him off a pier and just let him go.
1: Like I said, their analytics say something that we don't know. I personally think, (coughs) excuse me, that Derek Forbert is not 100%, and that's why they're they're shopping for a defenseman.
0: Yeah, I don't think he's 100% healthy. Uh Kevin I could almost he,
1: guarantee it.
0: Right now he has been, but I'll trust the coaches and hope he bounces back. Um I I think some of the fact that he was in the lineup today with Shattenkirk was the coaching staff wanting to kind of emphasize a little bit of their confidence in those guys because they did make some mistakes last game and it says more to them that we're gonna go right back to you guys because we believe in you, versus we're gonna pull one of you and go with with because we don't think you're doing good enough. Now that they've got a little, they've got a good game under their belt, a good solid shootout victory on, under their belt. Maybe next game they make the move, they get uh, foreboard off the ice for a little bit, a little bit of recovery. I wonder if it's the same issue that had them out earlier in the year, and it's just a nagging thing that just won't seem to go away. But, I mean, Watherspoon will probably get some time on this road trip.
1: I also have to add is, first of all, I watch a lot of hockey. I've got my fifth, sixth, and seventh hockey game of, of, of the day on screens here. And a lot of fans, I find listen too much to Jack Edwards, especially when it comes to penalty and non-penalty calls. Like for instance, that play on on the back check, I forget who it was where uh, Briggs said that, uh, that Dallas was calling for a penalty and Jack laughed. Like, you know, there there could have been a penalty call there. It was interference. Uh, But, Sometimes Jack goes way too overboard on what is a penalty and what isn't a penalty, and a lot of times he's wrong, and people just jump on the wagon and, and stuff like that. But even when he's describing a play, he says, so it's so made a mistake or <laughs> whatever, and people cling to that, and it's not always the case.
0: Yeah, Kevin even saying right now, I can't even understand what Jack says anymore. Uh, yeah, I mean, not to not to rip on on Jack Edwards. I mean, hopefully he's well and healthy. Um, he's certainly not, you know, he's certainly not the commentator that he used to be. But he he is definitely a homer commentator, not complaining about it. I love his emphasis. I love his enthusiasm when he's calling the games and stuff. But you gotta you you have to acknowledge that he is a homer, and to your point, he's not always saying things that are factually correct in the sense of the he's he's putting opinion on them. Right. And yeah, you you want things to go your way because you always want your team to win, but that's one of the things that, that we try to do where we sit there and we look at it objectively and go as a fan sure you you may have wanted the call but as as a hockey fan you can't complete you can't complain about something being fair and and that's one of the things he doesn't have to remove the hat and that's okay but you got to understand he's wearing that hat so hopefully he's well and healthy though um, let's see what. Uh, into the den, what kind of casualties are we looking at when Sweeney eventually gets his golden goose and Noah Hannafin? I think at least Grizz, but that isn't enough to make the money work. Ugh. I don't think they're making a trade for for Hannafin unless there's an extension in place.
1: Yeah, I don't think so either.
0: And I just I would be surprised if they pull the trigger on a deal for Hannafin. I think they're looking for something a little smaller, a smaller fish in the sea, in the sea, something that's more of a depth move. Um, Let's see. Wait until Brick says something. If you're unsure, Uh, get Faust in the booth
1: more. Wait, 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 back back up to into the den there. This one here. Okay. um, Grizz for Hannafin. I can make work. Make the cap work off the top of my head. So uh th- that's number one. Number two, um you're Don Sweeney. I'm what whichever GM you want. Let's say I'm Calgary, and you're calling me up and saying Matt Grizzly Grizzlick is Carp for Noah Hannifin. I'm laughing at you. Why why do I want Matt Grizzlick? Yeah.
0: And if Derek Forbort's so bad, why would we want him as well? Like, you're trying to pawn off what you're calling a liability in Grizzlick or um, Forbort, and you're trying to get I, – I, I mean, you know, Kevin says Hannafin's not his golden goose, but you're, you're trying to get a solid top-four defenseman, top-pairing defenseman, and you're just trying to give away what you're calling, you know, broken pieces. It's right. We,
1: we don't know if Calgary is rebuilding or what, but real, <laughs> rebuilding teams do not want unrestricted free agents back for, no, that compers- that for compers- their asset.
0: Starting with it, Mason Lori.
1: Yeah. It's it starting with Mason Lori or Matthew Patra and draft picks. That's what they want. If, and you know if, what you
0: don't have? Draft picks.
1: Right. So you're going to be
0: paying in the form of other prospects. So in a realistic world, you're probably giving up three guys from Providence. You're probably talking about Lori, Liesel and like a Kuntar as well as Grizzlick or Forebort to make the money work.
1: But then you're, you're adding for them to take on the contract because right. they don't want them.
0: Right, which means you're giving up at least Liesel and Lorai. So two top prospects. You're going to have to add, so you're going to have at least a Kuntar in there and probably a Mertulov because you have to get rid of the bad contract to go with it. So now you're giving up a minimum of five, six assets just to bring in Noah Hannafin, who you have a shot, a legitimate shot at signing in the offseason.
1: There's no point. Not if rumors today are true that Tampa's his uh, preferred destination. Oh, I didn't even hear that. Well, there you right. go.
0: I mean, rumors have been for a year and a half that Boston's trans- his preferred destination. So, you know. Well, it, because
1: he's from Boston. Right. And not everybody that's from Boston wants to play in Boston. Just like not everybody who's from Toronto wants to play in Toronto. <laughs> right.
0: Right. Now, I like the name, and I know you mentioned him earlier. Abby brings up Alex Carrier from Nashville. What are well, we hearing on that front?
1: The Bruins are linked to him.
0: Bruins are linked to him. Yep. Let's see. Uh, Kevin says Calgary may want Bussy Because uh, <coughs> Markstrom might be on his way out. If Calgary wants Bussy or Laura, I know. Thank you. Uh, Kevin says I'd give up Bussy. I don't know why, and Jeremy mentions it here, I don't know why they would want Brandon Bussey when they have Dustin Wolf and they have um, uh, Dan Vladar signed for a couple more seasons. The whole reason why they would give up Markstrom is, one, he'll give them a haul at the deadline, and two, it frees up money for them. They already have two guys. Now, It, it, it just, it, Markstrom makes sense for a team like New Jersey, I just don't know if New Jersey's ready to pull that trigger. Uh, When you don't have a sure thing, you want more, Wolf might not translate. It's good to have options. I I don't think there's been any indication in Dustin Wolf's game that when he's ready for the NHL, that he won't be a solid starter in the league. Now, does that mean he'll be a Vesna winner? You know, he's not going to be necessarily the next Connor Hellebuck but that's asking a lot of anybody yep. even asking a lot of connor hellebuck to be that you want a solid starter who gives you an opportunity to win night in and night out and dustin wolf so far has proven that he very likely can bring that for calgary frank Vitrano is going to be an interesting one for the deadline for a playoff team i mean talk about selling high on someone though yeah i that's that's the thing is is The the Ducks uh, are notably high, like, they want high value for their guys. They're selling high on a Frank Vetrano at this point. I just don't know if many playoff teams are going to want (coughs) to pay that price knowing that Vetrano has peaked.
1: Uh, In the East, you might see it because the East really is wide open.
0: The East is wide open for sure. Um, there's definitely teams that are looking to make their move to, to get up in the standings. I know I mentioned Florida is chasing Boston. Right now, Boston has the one-point lead on them. Um, you know, Tampa's right there at fourth place, three points behind Toronto. They're they're trying to make their push, but they just lost There, I would not be surprised if... <laughs> all in for Noah Hannafin because they lost Sergeyev.
1: That's the way Tampa operates. Exactly. Now, will it be
0: Hannafin? I don't know. I, they don't. Their cupboard is as bare as Boston's is, if not worse. Uh, I'm actually going to pull them up here real quick because I don't even remember when their next pick is.
1: Uh, tw- two th- uh, 2029, isn't it? <laughs>
0: 2026 for a first rounder. Uh, They have, oh, I mean, you know, they have three seventh round picks this year in the draft. They don't have a first, second, or a fourth, and they don't have a first next year. So if you're Tampa, you're probably looking at giving up your 2026 first rounder, your 2025 second rounder, (laughs) and a 2024 third rounder, and maybe something else if you're trying to get Noah Hannafin.
1: Yeah, and the one thing I never worry about, Tampa, it's finding players late in the draft. They
0: somehow managed to do that. That's, oh, man. Uh, Into the den, let's go three-sevenths. They can get a guy like Christian Kostadinski.
1: He's a mean son of a bitch, I can tell you that.
0: But you know what? He's also proven that he's coachable, as laughable as it is. And I know Andrew and I have had this conversation about Konstantinsky from development camp, trying to learn how to stop and you know work on his skating. But you know what? He's fucking coachable, and I'll take it because yeah. at the end of the day, I want the guys who are going to listen to the coaching staff and not throw a little bitch fit like someone may have earlier this year. And Because at the end of the day, when the players are playing well, you want to call them up. You want to work them into the NHL. That's a good thing.
1: There's only three players that are a plus on his team, and he's a plus 13. Is he leading that team? Yeah, well, he's pointless in nine games, but... You know, they've hit a wall where they got two weeks left before they go into the playoffs. Um, Kevin, the, the trade
0: for Nick Ritchie.
1: <laughs> Kevin, give me your address so I can come and drown you.
0: Hey, that's all right. Abby says, I know you're being sarcastic, but politely fuck off. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, I like that. That shout to McQuaid at DevCamp when he was like, like this was funny, but it was meaningful. It made me like him even more. Yeah, he's coachable. He's someone that you want on your team. And for a seventh round pick, you're not expecting much from him. So if he can even crack your lineup for five games, that's a win.
1: Credit to him. His skating has improved. It's that noticeable. Um, That's good. He's like an aircraft carrier, though. Can't turn on a dime.
0: <laughs> no he gets you in his hairs he's gonna put you through the board. yeah uh let's see jeremy says i want Ilya labushkin and duhaime
1: okay i want Connor mcdavid and leon dreisaitl
0: yeah um like
1: what do you jeremy what are you giving up to get it
0: yeah that that's the big question and, and i do think I think Buffalo is poised to make a move. I think they are looking heavily at what they have, who they're looking at, being okay with giving up. I know um I think it was whose name was it that I was here in Middlestad. Middlestad's name was coming up as far as the forward group. I wouldn't be surprised if someone from the back end got moved. Um you know, <sighs> Honestly, like a Jacob Bryson, probably, but I just, I don't know.
1: I like Bryson, but he's not what the Bruins need.
0: No, no. And this isn't necessarily for, um, for them. And yeah, Labushkin has now been moved to, to the the Ducks, but he was moved there in a trade. I don't think the Ducks are going to move on from Labushkin after just trading for him less than a year ago. So... I think you look you look at your trade partners in the past because that's something that we've seen Sweeney do trade with the same teams over and over again. <laughs> Miroslav Satan is a top prize this year. Come on, Kevin. Um, but yeah, uh Jeremy to, to Dom's point. What are you giving up? And and I guess that brings us to this. To this question, Dom, off of the Bruins, both Boston and Providence roster, what pieces are you willing willing to actively part with to try to improve this team?
1: Uh, you know me, Chris. Um, to me, anybody's tradable in the right deal. So I agree with the sentiment. I no, I agree with it wholeheartedly.
0: Oh, absolutely! Like
1: I would trade if I could make the Boston Bruins better today, I would today and for the long haul. I would trade David Pasternak. I would trade Charlie McAvoy. I would trade Brad Marchand. I would trade anybody off the roster if it made the team better today and for the future.
0: I I, I think David Pasternak and and Brad Marchand and and some of those guys, the McAvoy's of the team, are as close to untouchable right now as it gets because some of the guys that you would want in those deals aren't aren't becoming available
1: right but so but that should give you an answer like i would move anybody there is nobody i i would say i know i'm not trading them
0: in, <laughs> if, we're, if we're trading with the ducks hear me out return of the vac urho vakaninen no you gave him up for a reason. And I get it. That reason was Hampus Lindholm. But I, I don't think looking to bring him back is is the answer here. Uh, I do agree with Kevin. No rentals. You're, you're not going to pull the trigger on a rental. Maybe you get two pieces in one deal and one of them is a rental. But that's not the reason you're pulling the trigger on the deal. You're, you're bringing someone in. Who can make you better for a couple seasons?
1: How different would this team be today if they had drafted Robert Thomas instead of Urho Vaakanainen?
0: Well, you wouldn't have to worry as much about your center.
1: (laughs) That's because I'll—I'll tell you what: the Bruins (laughs) went into that draft uh, with full intentions. When Robert Thomas was still there, he was their pick until PJ Axelson pounded on the table for. Euro so Don okay. Sweeney went against the, the majority of his scouting staff to go with one guy in P.J. Axelson and picked the wrong player. I mean, it happens. <laughs> but it shouldn't happen. No. That's what it's what I'm saying. It's like when, when you hold draft meetings, and I've been in draft meetings at, at lower levels uh you either you either come to consensus or the majority wins and it was a vast majority was one person against robert thomas and that was pj axis well (coughs) i mean if you could
0: if you could make changes i'm sure they would also go back and change the 2015 draft too so there's there's instances at every draft table that that you're gonna want do overs on. I like Amy's point here. Pasta, Brandon, Carlo, McAvoy, and Swayman are off limits this season. Um, again, to our to the point of anybody's tradable, the players that you would move those guys for aren't available. Is the best way to put it. And then she follows it up with Brandon Carlo has been their best defenseman in her opinion. Thoughts.
1: Oh, I've been saying it all year. I think that
0: pair. I think Hampus Lindholm gets a lot of
1: negativity
0: and negativity because he isn't doing what he did last year. But he's also not seeing the power play time. He's not being first in offensive opportunities like he was a year ago when McAvoy was hurt. And he's getting the a large brunt like Brandon Carlo of the hardest minutes of hockey games. Mm -hmm. I think he's unfairly being criticized because he's doing the same type of minutes as Brandon Carlo is. People just expect the Charlie McAvoy like offense from Hampus Lindholm. And he's just not in those same positions. It's not going to happen. Now, Jeremy does have a proposal here for that Labushkin trade. He says Lubushkin makes 2.75. Can you trade Forbort, Harrison, and a third? I don't know. Thought he made less. If you're the Ducks, the third and Harrison aren't enough to warrant taking, first off, boards contract. Second of all, losing a guy that you just traded for, who you're trying to have as part of your organization. And on top of that, if board's so bad, if I'm the ducks, why do I want them?
1: Right. And uh to make matters worse, that's a 2025 third because they don't have a 2024 third, which decreases the value in itself. If right. they have to wait a year for a draft pick.
0: Yeah, which means you're throwing something else in. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Um, Kevin says, a Charlie Coyle-like trade, I'd be okay with that. A Taylor Hall trade is what (laughs) I would be okay with. You know, a, a main guy that you're going after, the Taylor Hall piece, and then a Curtis Lazar as a kicker. Like, that's the type of move. Obviously, the no trade clause, the no movement clause for Hall helped, so you didn't have to pay a ton for that. But that's the type of return that I'm talking about. Um, let's see. Floorboard has a modified no trade clause, it's a three team trade or three team no trade. How much different would this team be if we had drafted Rupe Hints over JFK? Kevin, where's Zach Hamill when you need him? Uh, I would trade pasta in the right deal, yeah, in the right deal are the key words there. Uh, let's see. Lindholm might be hurt, might be nothing serious, but who knows? I don't. Do you think Lindholm is playing hurt today? Yeah. Do you think he's playing hurt to a detriment of the organization?
1: No, oh, no, no. I mean, he got hurt today. I think earlier in the season, his foot bothered him, but that's been healed.
0: It'll be interesting to see if he has gotten a little bit banged up, just how long he's out for. Uh, Kevin says, I'd trade Dom for a bag of pucks and a tin
1: of skull. Uh, just the pucks enough, Kevin.
0: <laughs> Let's see. Anybody said, I'm saying a trade that works for now and the future. Yeah, absolutely. That That's the kind of move... Um, and, and we were talking about it before Don Sweeney is the kind of guy who likes to get his shopping done in one trip. So he's going to try and find something. I think that's part of why we saw the Brazo deal done, because if Brazo can fill that hole on the fourth line, you've just crossed something off your shopping list and you didn't have to pay for it other than a contract. If Brazo fills that hole and you've got Wotherspoon filling in some depth on the left D, Really, you're just looking for, for cheap depth pieces. You're not looking to go out and make a drastic swing. I don't see them making a swing for a top-line center. I, I think your center play has been just fine. Kevin says, Nick Felino for a first-round pick. Oh, wait, we're not Toronto. <laughs> no, but but you are going to have to worry about what Toronto may try to do because they're going to try something. question is, is it going to be enough? And they're waiting for um, for Wall to get back in net form, too. I, I think New Jersey are, – are you thinking New Jersey pulls the trigger on something?
1: Oh, yeah, definitely.
0: Do you think there's enough smoke and fire there for them to go after Markstrom and pull something like that off? It,
1: it, it I wouldn't be surprised, but I I don't know. It, it's, it's like it's a gamble because then if you don't make the playoffs, then what?
0: Yeah, especially for that team. Phillies talked about selling, even though they're in a playoff spot. Is there anybody over there that you look at that may be actually affordable? Let's see. Kevin says, I think Carolina is where Markstrom ends up. I, I think they're still looking to ride Kochekov for a little bit. I think they're still unsure what he's able to do, but they want to see if he can carry them through when Freddie Anderson is ready to return.
1: Yeah, never kill Carolina out of anything.
0: Never, I, I think. Ever. I think they're more of a dark horse to land a, a guy like Noah Hannafin than we give them credit for. I, I think they're more willing to look at their defense. They're a team that looks at it as if we can get them in now, get them in a playoff run, we may be actually able to resign them as well. And getting a guy like that would help their goaltending, regardless of who's in net. Jeremy says, I think New Jersey Hannafin
1: was there one be- once before he probably said, oh, yeah, I'm not going, I'm not going to Carolina.
0: Yeah. Uh, So maybe not Hannafin specifically, but someone else like uh, maybe a Tanev or, or, you know, another top defensive available player. I think New Jersey lands Markstrom, and they were dumb for not getting a goalie in the offseason. They actually let Blackwood walk, and Blackwood is playing really well for San Jose despite all that. And as Abby says, they have Nico Dawes, who's been playing well lately. If they had the saves in the beginning of the season, they might be a top three team in the Metro. Nico Dawes has been playing pretty well for them as well as some snippet <coughs> time for akira schmidt i think they were hoping schmidt would take a step and then they had to rely on Nico dawes Vitek vanacek is not gonna be the guy that carries them they need one guy to get hot if they can squeak in and all three are capable of playing for a month like their asses on fire so right now they're just get in and, and get ready, you know, get in and try to get lucky. We know hockey games move fast, but with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you can score faster than anything happening on the ice. This week, new customers can bet 5 bucks and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. You got shots on goal, saves, puck lines, money lines. You can bet it all. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app with code THPN. New customers bet just five bucks on the NHL and get two hundred instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call one eight hundred Gambler or visit www. one eight hundred gambler. dot net. In New York, call eight seven seven eight Hope Y or text Hope Y. 467 369 in Connecticut. Help is available for problem gambling. Call 888 789 7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See slash hockey for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. NHL and the NHL Shield are registered trademarks of the National Hockey League. Copyright NHL 2024. All rights reserved. This week's episode is also brought to you by Nason's Naturals. All natural homemade dog treats for your favorite furry friends. Visit Nason'sNaturals.com. And use code PUCKOFF for your 15% off at checkout. Again, that is nasonsnaturals.com. For all the best treats for your favorite furry friends, use code PUCKOFF for 15% off at checkout. Into the Den says, let's go after Risto. Obviously, let's buy into that MLM, L-O-L-M-A-O. I think that was from when I was talking about Philly. I I, I wouldn't pay what it's going to cost to get Risto, period. Kevin says Freddie Anderson will be ready to return, but he will likely go down again. We'll have to see. I, again, I think... Co- I mean, remember, they just signed Kochekov to a four-year contract a year and a half ago. They believed in him to some degree at some point, so... Let's see. I've watched each of Detroit's last four games. I must say that this team is scary good and the future is super bright for them. Detroit is a sneaky buyer, I think, at the deadline.
1: And if there's a GM who doesn't tip his hat, it's Stevie Iserman.
0: Oh, yeah. Not at all. Um, I I also think he's looked at it and he is not unwilling to give up one of his netminders. I think... Huso or, or Alex Lyon has taken over. Huso is still the guy that he kind of wants, and he's got the modified no move, no trade clause. Reimer has a seven team, and Huso has a 10 team. So I have a feeling they have no issues with moving on from one of them if it's going to help make them better. Uh, Abby, I don't like, I like Detroit, just not Kaner.
1: How does Reimer get a seven team? No trade list.
0: Like, I mean, if I were him,
1: I'd say, okay, just don't trade me to Toronto. (laughs) Right. He's on
0: a one-year deal. Um, So I'm sure that probably had part of it where he's just like, you know, give me a little something extra. Um, Let's see. Getting Risto is like watching the second Avatar movie. Everyone hyped it up. It lasted forever. And you spend the entire time wondering why you wasted your money on it. Interesting comparison. Mm -hmm. Kevin says, and anyone who was passing on Kane on Bruins Twitter would see what I've been seeing. They would think twice about wanting to pass on him. Kane is playing fantastic and the Bruins could use him. I agree with Jeremy in some respects, though. Kane is a scumbag. I don't know him well enough. Uh, I just I think there's too much baggage for this front office to want to deal with. Um, we all know what happened last year around December, and we know what happened this year with Milan Lucic. I don't think they're looking to step into another potential crossfire of bullshit, period. I, I just don't think they have the stomach for it. But yes, to Kevin, he is a great hockey player. I mean, he's a first ballot guaranteed Hall of Famer, three-time cup winner, all the things. I just don't think this front office has the stomach to deal with more bullshit that they can easily avoid just by looking elsewhere for help is what it comes down to real quick. I'm also pulling it up right now when it comes to the league in scoring. I I think people under overestimate how desperate and I'm putting air quotes around desperate. They are for scoring because they have 189 goals for the Canucks are first with 212. Scoring is not as big of a problem as people are making it out to be for this team.
1: Oh, I agree with you. And their goal differential is what? Third best?
0: Their goal differential is...
1: I, I believe it's fourth? Fourth.
0: As of today, it is fourth.
1: Okay. They, so...
0: they stand behind Vancouver, who's plus 56. Florida, who's plus 50. The Dallas Stars who are plus 40, and we are at a plus 39. I mean, it's not that big of a deal. They're scoring just no, fine.
1: It's it's not like it goes cold sometimes, but
0: it's an it, eight-game it, season.
1: Right. Um, <laughs> you know, the the thing I honestly would like to see, like this seven-game home stretch, um if I was a coach and I've coached, um, I would have, after game three or game four of this stretch, gone to my goaltenders, doesn't matter which one, um, and goalie Bob could be there and say, Look, we're in a rut. I need <laughs> you guys to carry us through this and get us through it, but I'm only going with one of you. Okay. And explain my choice. They needed something to get out of this rut. Maybe even earlier than game four. And the way to do that, because it's carried them all season, is their goaltending. And say, look, I need one of you to step up for three, maybe four games and carry the load.
0: And would you have turned to Swayman for that?
1: Doesn't matter. I would have. let the two of them talk to goalie Bob and the three of them come to a, if I was head coach, let the three of them come to a solution.
0: Okay. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Cause you're, you're trying to shock the system, if you will. Right. And you're taking the strength of this team, which is why it's absolutely fucking ridiculous to want to trade a goaltender, by the way, luckily that narrative seems to quiet just a smidge. Just yeah. Um the backbone of this team is goaltending and defense. And right now the defense is shown to have a little bit more holes in it because of you know the Shattenkirks, the Floorboards, the, the you know, Wathers, you know, Watherspoon, Grizzlick. Like you have your three stalwarts Lindholm, Carlo, McAvoy. The other four spots are not as consistent as we would like. Now, that's not to say they don't play well. I think this team plays better with Parker Watherspoon in the lineup. I really do. I think it's proven that they're playing better with him in the lineup than when he's out of the lineup. But you also need to be able to get games like tonight in there where you can try and build momentum in other ways. Because your depth right now on defense is Grizzly, Faubourg, Lorai, Watherspoon. Those four guys are your essentially your 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th, and ninth guys. That's what you have. You can't afford to go out and restock the shelves with a bunch of other top flight guys. You just can't afford it. So get them going as much as you can.
1: And I think that's why we're having a rotation. Um, But you know (laughs) what? They need last year's Mack Like Sure.
0: Now, I will say this. (laughs) <laughs> Matt Grizzlick and Charlie McAvoy were on the ice today for three of the of the of the goals, actually for all three goals against the stars today. So does that mean you're getting a little bit better offensive production from that pairing? Maybe maybe this is when things start to spark a little bit more for him offensively. Is Matt Grizzlick the perfect defenseman? No. if he was, he wouldn't be costing you only. million. He would be on a Charlie McAvoy contract. You don't need him to be the perfect defenseman. You need him to be a complimentary defenseman. And well,
1: no, I think, I think their design this year was to have a solid top four of McAvoy, Grizzly, Carlo and Lindholm. And Grizzly just hasn't been that. The, no, the, has, the offense he, is fine, but don't forget that giveaway tonight could have been the end of the game if not for Jeremy Swayman. Yeah, Swayman and and that was and, the most yeah, brutal they, giveaway that I don't know. Those, those having the
0: goaltenders save your ass way more than they hurt you. I don't think they ever hurt you really. Um even when they're having down moments like they're still at a three goals against average when they're off their game, three to three and a half. Yeah. But still, you know, as long as their save percentage is above eight eighty eight, this team is fine. Typically, they're playing at above a 915 range collectively. They're they've been that good. I don't think people realize just how high the bar <laughs> has been set by Swayman and Omark. Over the last year and a half,
1: right? But I mean, I'm talking. I'm talking. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking b- back to your point about <laughs> the the solid top three coming into the year. The Bruins expected a solid top four, and they haven't. They haven't gotten that. So right. to say the defense is a strength, I disagree with you. I don't think it is. I don't think it's the strength
0: they thought it would was going to be.
1: Well, if, if they're not playing up to what your expectations are, then it's not a strength. It's a weakness. So you've got to fix it.
0: And I mean, right now, I think the only way you can fix some of it (coughs) is let some of them play through it because you can't afford to do much more than that. None of your defensemen can go down to Providence right now. Like, None of them. None of them can go down without waivers. So you're essentially stuck with the seven guys that you have right now until an injury or a trade. I believe Sweeney is trying to figure something out in the trade market because they do have other guys like a Mason Lorai, like an Ian Mitchell, Alec Regula, these are guys that I, I'm not saying they're going to be top six guys, but if you can make a move to help solidify your back end and have Mason Lori as your seventh defenseman, I, again, I don't think he would play the seventh defenseman role, at least until the playoffs at best. But if Mason Lori is one of your first two substitutes on defense, then you're not in a bad position.
1: Right. I just, I just don't think the defense is a strength. It's, it's what needs, it's what needs repairing on this team right now, more than the number one center.
0: (laughs) It's, it may not be their strength, but it's not as much of a weakness as I think many believe it. They've given up 150 goals. They are tied with Edmonton for sixth-slash-seventh in goals against. The teams that are ahead of them, as far as fewer goals allowed, are the Vegas Golden Knights by one, the LA Kings at 145, the Pittsburgh Penguins at 139, Florida Panthers at 135, and the Winnipeg Jets at 125.
1: But that that speaks more to the goaltending than anything. You've got to look at not just shots, but high-danger shots. That's that's what the defensemen have to... That's what defensemen are there to prevent, is those high-danger, second-opportunity chances in close. <coughs> Goals against. I hold that against goaltenders, not defensemen.
0: I'm going to see if I can find any data on the high danger chain chances being allowed right now cuz that is let's look at let's look at the defensemen in particular they've also only gone 9 deep at defense this year too which we've seen them go way deeper than that is there a
1: high yeah depth? well was it 2 years ago they went 13 deep
0: something like that yeah all right let's see High-danger, unblocked shot attempts. You've got Hampus with four, Charlie McAvoy with three, Lori with two, and Mitchell with one. Everyone else who's seen the ice is at zero. That is high-danger, unblocked
1: shot attempts per
0: money puck.
1: That's shot attempts. Shot at Shots against is, is what they're defending against.
0: Let's see. High danger goals. On ice shot attempt percentage. On ice expected goals. On ice high danger shot attempts against per 60. How's that statistic sound and roll off the tongue for you? That, that's better. High. Again, that's high on ice high danger shot attempts against per 60. Do you know who leads the team in that statistic?
1: I haven't a clue.
0: So I'm going to put a caveat on the first place player because he's only played in 13 games. That's Ian Mitchell.
1: And that's why he's no longer playing. No, no,
0: no. He's allowed the fewest high danger shots, attempt shot attempts against. Well, you said the
1: first place. I'm thinking, okay.
0: My, My bad. He has allowed two point one one high danger shot attempts per sixty. Kevin Shattenkirk is next at two point seven seven. Believe it or not, Matt Grizzlick is only at three point oh nine. Then you've got Mason LoRai at three point two five, Charlie McAvoy at three point four one, Hampus Lindholm at four three point four eight, Parker Watherspoon at three point six one. Brandon Carlo at 4.43 and taking it up at the bottom, Derek Forbord 4.62.
1: That's all situations, right?
0: That is all six situa- situations. That's per 60. Okay.
1: Now, see you. Go ahead. So that's that's including penalty kill.
0: That includes penalty kill. Now, I want I'm pulling up one other thing to put in a little bit more perspective of that too. Because again, penalty <laughs> kill, five on five, four on four, all those things matter. However, let's look at what they one. matter.
1: But how much penalty kill time does yeah If you're doing a fair comparison, you got to have a level playing field. Well, how well, much? That's exactly how much penalty kill time does Matt Grizzly get compared to Brandon Carlo and Derek Forber?
0: Right, well, uh, Charlie McAvoy, who's fifth, so dead in the middle, three point four one high danger shot attempts against per sixty, averages more ice time than any other defenseman, twenty four forty four, and he plays in all situations. So that you know, Hampus Lindholm averages twenty three forty eight, and he's right behind McAvoy at three point four eight. They're very close, and they both play in all situations they both average more than three minutes more than brandon carlo who averages 20 minutes and three seconds per night so the different
1: the difference though between mcavoy and lindholm for example is uh lindholm gets 70 d zone starts while mcavoy gets 49
0: right and carlo gets 80 or something like that you know like he he's Starting in the defensive zone. Actually, I can pull that up in just a second. I'm trying to find it right now. Uh In the D zone, on ice expected goal differential. On ice expected goals percentage. I'm looking for the uh starts in zone. I'm not sure why I'm not finding it. Oh, here we go. Percentage of shifts starts in defensive zone. Brandon Carlo, 22.1%. And Derek Forbort, 18.5%. Hampus Lindholm, 18.7%.
1: Not bad for off the top of my head, eh?
0: Yeah. I'd I'd give you credit for it. Um, Let's see. Charlie McAvoy, offensive zone starts, 18.9%. Um, 18.9% of his shifts start in the offensive zone. 548 start on the fly. So I, I think that gives a, a little bit more perspective to it. Matt Grizzly has 10% of his shifts start in the defensive zone. 63% start on the fly.
1: While in the offensive zone.
0: Offensive zone is 12.8.
1: right but they're they're not they're not swapping defensemen out while they're in the defensive zone
0: no and they all have well over 50 percent starting on the fly that that's gonna skew all of them like ian mitchell had 69 percent of his shifts start on the fly 7.9 percent in the defensive zone and 6.2 percent in the offensive zone that's ian mitchell in 13 games it's a little bit different when you're talking about Hampus Lindholm and his 1,600 <coughs> shifts versus right. 290 for Ian Mitchell. Hampus Lindholm, though, has more shifts than any other defenseman by quite a bit. Well, Lindholm and then McAvoy and then Carlo and then Grizzlick and then Forbord. Or no, uh sorry, Shattenkirk then Forbord. But I think the injury had a lot to do with that.
1: Oh, yeah, he missed... Missed what do a month you miss and a half, right two months,
0: at least a month and a half. Of course, now they all have new hit totals as well.
1: Yes. Yep. So they're no longer they're they're still counted by the home team, but reviewed by the NHL.
0: Let's see. And we've also got shots blocked. Um Shots blocked per 60 is actually a different order than you might think. That's wow. So shots blocked per 60 right now. Parker Watherspoon leads that category. Not surprised. Followed by Mason Laurae, Derek Floorboard. All have over 6.3 shots blocked per 60. Then Shattenkirk and McAvoy are in the 5.01 to 5.1 range. Brandon Carlo at 4.97. And then Mitchell, Grizzlick, and Lindholm is last. I just A thought punch. that was interesting.
1: I, I don't think that surprised me.
0: Uh, they all have 0% at the dot. Go figure.
1: How how many actually hit Grizzlick in the butt while he was facing the wrong way? <laughs>
0: They don't have that stat. Uh, oh, wait, wait, they have shots that were blocked. Oh, no, that's their shots that were taken. Uh, shots that missed the net. Shots on goal. Percentages. Defensive zone giveaways. Matt Grizzlick's not first in that category. Believe it or not.
1: Well, I would hope not with his skating and stick handling abilities. Uh, Charlie McAvoy leads in defensive
0: giveaways. Not
1: surprised.
0: Um, let's see. Goals above expected
1: has to be JBR or Danton Heinen.
0: Oh, I was just looking at defense. Oh. Let's, let's pull all forwards, all players here, and let's try and see who has the most goals above expected. Sorry. Goals above expected. JVR minus 7.1. Next closest is Hampus Lindholm minus 3.6. I think that's a good thing because right now the worst player is David Posternock at (coughs) 5.3. This is another one. Shooting percentage. (coughs) Wotherspoon, Forbore, and Mitchell all at zero. Not surprised. Uh, let's see. Hampus Lindholm, 1.4%. He has 1% of unblocked, uh, shooting percentage on unblocked shots is 1%. I don't know. Any final thoughts? I know we're, we're, we're getting to a point where, uh, we're hitting the hour and a half mark before we wrap up here. Dumb, rough home stretch. We've got a couple games coming up on the road. I think the road trip will do some good for the guys to kind of refine some. I don't want to say chemistry, but refine some rhythm. Yeah. What do you think a successful road trip will look like for them <coughs> that you would consider successful? Let me rephrase that.
1: What's the order of the trip again? It's... I'm
0: pulling it up right now because I don't recall exactly the order. Let's see. Right now, we go Edmonton on Wednesday, Calgary on Thursday, and then Saturday, Vancouver.
1: And when's Seattle?
0: I believe it's after that. Let's see. Seattle is Monday the 26th.
1: I think it goes loss-win, loss-win. It's going to be tough to to beat Vancouver at home after what Boston did to them at TD Garden
0: <coughs> so we go Edmonton first and that's on yeah. Wednesday i think edmonton's on a heater i think it'll be yeah. a good i think it'll be a good game i think goaltending will keep us in it but man it, you can't slow down mcdavid and drysdale forever i'd love to win that game, I just don't know if you can stop them right now. They're not; they haven't been going through a playoff schedule.
1: <laughs> no,
0: I, I don't think they are what you would see in a playoff matchup. For now, I give the edge to Edmonton.
1: Yeah, like, like the Bruins, they didn't come back strong after the after the break. So, <laughs> um, the Red hole. I just think they're going to rebound. Uh, Calgary should be a no given. Boston should want to go in there and spank them after what Calgary did in Boston. Yes, I think Vancouver for me is a scheduled loss. And
0: uh, is why? Why do you say scheduled loss? There's a day off in between. They have the the February twenty third <laughs> Friday in there.
1: It's still travel. It's a road trip. It's. Uh, 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 yet another time zone from Edmonton to Vancouver. And just the way the last game went, uh, I don't think Vancouver is going to be rolling over.
0: Yeah. They're going to spank you after what you did to them at your home. Right. So they're, they're going to try to send a message that they really are a legitimate playoff team. Yeah. Um,
1: To me, I'm taking that one as a scheduled loss. Yeah. they should be able to handle Calgary and Seattle. Edmonton could be a toss-up. Depends on which team wants to show up. So basically, 500. Yeah.
0: 500. I, I would I would hope to maybe take five points out of this road trip. I think one of the games that you lose, you can take to overtime. Um, I, I think... Again, like you said, depends on which team shows up. You could bring Edmonton to overtime or you could bring Vancouver to overtime, depending on which team shows up. So I, I think you have a better shot against Edmonton. Ironically, I think that one could be more of a high scoring, you know, like a, a a six to three, six to four game that the right bounce makes it five, five going into overtime or four, five, four, four going into overtime or something. Just because, let's face it, Stuart Skinner's not exactly a Vesna winner right now himself. Right. Markstrom has been playing really, really well. Like, this is one that Markstrom's been playing his ass off. I think he kind of wants to play his way out of Calgary. And so you could see a a brick wall there where between those first two games, you could get two points and lose both of them. Mm -hmm. It's possible. But I think four to five points is a good goal to have for this road trip. I just, I want to see how they play. I think that's more important than the points right now.
1: I like the way the goaltending rotation works out. Uh, Because you'll get Linus in Edmonton. You'll get Swayman in Calgary. You'll get Linus in uh, Vancouver. And you'll get Swayman in Seattle. (laughs) (laughs) Unless... Unless Jim Montgomery is listening and decides to ride one of them.
0: Well, that, and, I mean, after the way he played today, I mean, Swayman versus Edmonton wouldn't be a bad idea.
1: No, oh, I just, personally, I like, I like the matchups the, the, the way they are. It just simply because of the teams they're facing.
0: Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll have to see. We'll have a lot to talk about next week, that's for sure. So... And we'll be a little bit closer to the deadline. I want to see... Do you think Brazo goes on this road trip in full? Oh, yeah. You, yeah. yeah. Nice, nice you, stretch of you, game for him.
1: I mean, it would be absolutely silly for just one game.
0: I mean, it wouldn't be the dumbest thing we've seen him do.
1: No, but... you you got to give him the road trip. Who... Um, otherwise, <laughs> you're calling somebody else up. Because you're not making... A Western Canada road trip with 12 forwards.
0: Yeah, no, I'd I, I bring him. I want to see him again with.
1: Right, because uh, was, was Steed officially sent down? Yeah.
0: yeah, right now, according to Cap Friendly, they have 14 forwards, but they have not adjusted Oscar Steen.
1: So I know he's
0: waivers. I don't know if they actually sent him down or not.
1: Because Cap Friendly usually updates at 5 p.m. because that's when NHL rosters have to be in. Bye. 5 p.m. New York time every day. So (laughs) um, either they just waived them and are carrying them. I don't know. I guess we'll we'll find out tomorrow.
0: Uh, Let's see. I'm looking at Sunday, February 18th. The transactions that were listed. This is according to TSN transaction tracker. The Maple Leafs sent... Dennis Hildeby to the minors, and they called up Marshall Rafi, And Lucas Reichel was sent to the Miners by Chicago. Saturday, February 18th, the last move by Boston was Anthony Richard was called up from the minors. I don't see any Boston move after that. As far as the 17th, 18th, we're
1: not even on the 19th yet.
0: Well, we are today. That's weird.
1: Yeah, so it might happen tomorrow, or it could be that they're just not updated. Probably but,
0: probably just not updated, but at the same time, I mean, even though he's cleared, you could keep him around because of the road trip carrying bring fourteen forwards with you, seven defensemen and the two oh, no, there.
1: they 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 uh they wouldn't be able to carry fourteen. Would they? Well, couldn't he travel with the team? No. If he's not on the roster, you can't travel with the team.
0: Mm. Okay.
1: Absolutely not. Only only people on the active roster can
0: travel. Then they're probably not updated. I would bring the 13 forwards that you have. Pasta, Marchand, Coyle, Zaka, DeBrusque, Frederick, Geeky, JVR. Uh, oh, you know what it is? Is Patra still listed on the roster as well?
1: Yeah, but he's on IR. So they... I'm looking at roster spots, right? You're only allowed 23. So if Steed's not sent down, that's 14 forwards, seven defensemen is 21, and two goaltenders is 23. So they could do it, and they have the cap space.
0: <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I, I, I want to see how Boquist and Brazo kind of develop. They looked good together today. I think Richard being on that line helps. With I mean, they Richard and Brazo both have the ability to score, which I like. And I think Boquist
1: uh, Richard went up. Right, Richard went up with Marsh and Coil for a while. Yeah, right. I Frederick believe- went, Frederick went down with with Boquist and Brazil. and then geeky centered. Uh, who did Giguere and Yes.
0: One of the things that I like about that lineup having Brazzo in there is you don't fully know what you have. I like seeing Montgomery shuffle up the lineups a little bit here and there to see what might work. Uh, I think some of it is the mindset of come playoff time you don't know who you're going to be with, so be prepared to skate with anybody. Mm-hmm. But at the same time. We know JVR, Geeky, Frederick, that line works. You can put it back together anytime you want. It's the same thing that we had when we had the Pasternak, Marsh, and Bergeron line. You could right. remember it and put it back together, and it was going to work every single time. Let's find out what else works. I'm all for it. Now's the time.
1: Yeah, it's like... They're paid to figure this out. I'm not going to question them and uh, and say this is what they should do. They are obviously doing it for a reason because their own data says that they should. I'm good
0: with it. That's my point. Yeah. Do you have any final thoughts to wrap up here?
1: Yeah. Jackson Edwards scored his first goal in 30 games today. Good for him. Yeah. Good I'm for happy him. happy for him. And he didn't knock anybody's teeth out doing it. <laughs> uh, who, who's the one that keeps getting suspended
0: that you keep yeah. bringing up? Jackson Edward? Yeah. Good. I mean, of those 30 games, how many was he suspended for?
1: Oh, no, that's 30 games played. 30 I know. 30 that he's played.
0: 30 games uh, that he's played, but how many has he missed in the middle?
1: Four, but... Like, I don't know. They like. There's one thing the OHL does that the NHL doesn't do, and and that is, they have set suspensions. Okay, like if that uh, Morgan Riley hit had happened in the OHL, in the OHL, there'd be no hearing. You know that's going to be a five game suspension. Yeah. Okay. But the headbutt suspension that Jackson Edward got, like it's basically a standard two-game suspension in the OHL. But I look at it, <coughs> it was mean, it was vicious. Edward is six foot three, two hundred pounds, and the kid he hit was is like five foot ten, a hundred and seventy pounds. So he's got what, five inches on them. Yeah. They just, bam, helmets on, bam, like really gave it to them. And it's like, man, that, that's more than two games. And I don't
0: well, know. I, I that's <laughs> the physicality that people want the Boston Bruins to, to go out and find. But you got to.
1: Not headbutt. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Kevin, these are a lot of final thoughts. Kevin, you know us. We could talk all night.
1: So Kevin, I got one final thought. I love you. Come
0: back on the show at some point, Kevin. We have a seat right below us ready for your 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 uh, your face. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, we will have another episode for next week. Uh, Not sure if we will shoot that one live as well or not. But, uh, you know, in the meantime, all I got is a good Go Bees.
1: Go Bees.